Crystal Myth with me, Mark, and Leslie. Hello. And Jazz. Yo. We're um, doing our, our second episode today on weird slash demented medical practices. So we're continuing on from, well, not where we left off last week, but we're going to add some bits and bobs to what we did last week because there's still so much to talk about on, on this topic. Yeah. Do you feel like? disturbed after everything you read at how horrific human beings are well they still yeah. are horrific Sorry, yeah, Yasmin. Are. people are so horrific i think i was kind of while i was reading through i was taken aback by how stupid people are but then it was like that's also insane because i have met people i mean yeah. you know i mean it's like people who are like oh i don't why take the vaccine for covid because i might grow a new head or they might inject like a tracker in my system. Well, I hate to break it to you, but like you, you literally are getting tracked from the day you're born. Like you get a birth certificate. Your work know where you live. Like you a- your internet know where you live. Your phone yeah. knows where you live. So fuck off with that shit. My like cousin's wife, Kirsty. Hi, Kirsty. I said, like posted a thing on Facebook saying that she thinks it's insane, which I couldn't agree with more because like if she said if you don't have a <laughs> and you're saying that you're refusing to get an injection because you're worried it might contain a microchip, then that's still insane, but cool. But if you own a phone, that just seems like a deranged thing to say because there's not going to be a microchip that they could hide inside an injection that will be able to last in your blood long enough to tell any company anything that they can't already pick up from your phone anyway. So what would be the purpose in them doing that? Oh, my God. I didn't actually realise that was the reason people didn't want to get it. I thought it was because, like, I'm a bit nervous about taking it because it's like we could not test it for that long. What if it has long-term effects later? What if it makes you... It's fine, Yasmin, don't worry about it. They'll test it on the elderly and the um, key workers first. So we'll just sit back and see what happens to them. Oh, I just want to take it so I want to get back to my life. But it's a bit like, what? <laughs> I don't know does something I mean, what doing, again makes sense jazz but no i think the majority of people that don't want to take it don't want to take it because they think that paid different world governments to pretend that the coronavirus is a thing so that you can hide microchips inside of vaccines so that everyone has a microchip in them I mean, if everyone had that attitude, then we would all still have smallpox and polio you yeah. know like back in the 18th century uh, I think the, the the Turks were doing it. They were taking bits of smallpox um, and then grafting it onto other, like creating a tiny wound and then putting a bit of the smallpox in the wound of their children or whatever to inoculate them, like a, a early version of inoculation. And this woman who was like married to a Turkish ambassador for Britain 
saw that and she says right i'm going to do it to my own children and people were like horrified about that saying you know you you shouldn't do that and she's like well i am doing it because i've seen it work yeah i mean i don't think something like that at home because you know it's not controlled but yeah that is basically what vaccine is is Mm -hmm. give someone a disease let your body fight it and now you've got your own immune system or or, like immunity against it um but yeah i guess like 100 years ago someone has said that i'm going to give you a, a disease so that you don't get the disease you would think oh, that's a bit crazy like why would you do that um but, uh, one um, of the things i was reading into is a bit more mental than that where it's sort of like the principle of well you're curing something with the same thing that has the affliction but it ends up like cannibal there was a time a long time where people were basically cannibals because they were using body parts to cure themselves of various ailments like headaches so they would grind up skulls and put that in alcohol and drink it because they thought oh well, i've got a headache so i'll, I'll need to ground up someone's skull because that's a head and that's that'll cool. help me you should have that for your headache and then cause you as and i both have well technically you're yeah i've got a headache right now so yeah so because we've got things that affect like muscles in her body we should both just eat someone else's muscles <laughs> so yeah, when, well, I have a headache what would you prescribe if you were a medieval doctor to cure my ailment here I'd go with piss because Fuck. one of the things that I found was that like one of the most popular antiseptics was piss but also then when I read into it they said that one of the most common treatments for mouth ulcers was piss and also so, they recommend that you put that you put a, on it. And, am I drinking my own piss or am I drinking some virgin's piss? What what am I doing here? Well, I think your own piss is fine. Um, oh, it doesn't actually say anything about headaches, but it does say antiseptic, ulcer treatment, sting, and also will reduce the symptoms of the plague. So I think if we can do all those things, it must be able to to help with a sore head. So yeah, I'd recommend piss. What would you recommend, Jazz? Uh, well, I have. Another treatment for you. Okay, now, thanks, Dr. Yaz. Yeah, this is what today is going to be. It's like, what treatments can we give you now? Mine <laughs> have to be the baby mice wine. This one. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting you to say, but it wasn't that. No, it wasn't that, yeah. <laughs> okay, it was like bits of mm. blood or body parts or drilling holes. This one really bothered me a lot more because basically it's the Chinese one and it's like a health tonic so it will cure whatever's wrong with you so it'll cure your headache and what you need is 10 to 15 baby mice and they can only be two to three days old and so the younger they are the more potent the wine is and it's just really got to me I was like, it's so horrible yeah, what did he do to them so this is not nice so basically you drown them in rice wine and then you leave them to ferment for 14 months and then you I'm, drink i'm sorry but I've got to wait 14 months just to cure a headache, yes. I think I'll be dead by then. Yeah, like the idea that you've got a flattened headache, you're like, right, I'll go and see if there's any mice anywhere, I'll steal their babies, and I'll leave the babies for 14 months. No, 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 but you'd have it, like, the same way you go buy wine in a supermarket. Right. You've, you've not had to sit and wait years for that, someone's already done it. So this is, they would already have it made up. Do you remember when you used to go down the centre and there was an actual Chinese, like, there was two Chinese medicine shops? Oh, yeah. And you never see them anymore. Oh. But my dad used to go to them and the guy was like, I don't know what was wrong with my dad, but I just remember he went there and they gave him all this mad shit to boil and he had to drink it 
and it was the most disgusting thing ever. He hated it, but you kept drinking it. And I was just like, well, you don't even know what's in that shit. You don't know. You're just trusting that that's, that's going to cure you. I don't think it did. I've um, managed to get, which relates to what we're talking about this week, and also to Yazzie's cupping last week, um, huh. I've managed to get an acupuncture appointment for Ooh. a stupid face. And I'm so happy. Like I've never had anything like that done apart from, you know, like the only needles that have been penetrated me is, you know, like vaccines <laughs> or a tattoo gun. Oh, great. Like, it's so good. I can't wait. Actually, I've been so like in so much pain with this for, well, for a while, but it's really been playing up this week. But I managed to get an appointment. So mm-hmm. I am. I am like, like, because the stuff we were looking at this week and last week is about like it all sounds kind of barbaric and I suppose like the cupping thing you had jazz that you were telling us about last week and then the idea of like people putting hot needles basically into you seems like they're kind of barbaric as well but it definitely works and you said that you found yours worked at least short term yes so maybe some of these things are right maybe we should drink mouse wine I can do it I um my sister's father-in-law he's got arthritis in his knees and he gets acupuncture and he says it works wonders for him but it's as if it releases all the pressure on his knees and he can up and walk and he's fine again my grandpa always swore by copper bracelets for his arthritis in his hands or magnets yeah the copper bracelets might be a thing um with magnets in there actually so one of the ones i found was actually for arthritis as well and it's insane it's the most stupid ridiculous thing i've ever heard in my life and i would never try this but it's um sitting in the inside of a rotting whale carcass for 30 hours (laughs) (laughs) that seems really difficult where the fuck are you gonna find a whale carcass (laughs) but even if you did how would that fix anything like like that's gonna make things worse because you're sitting in like a a that's disgusting for a long period of time don't know basically it has like a healing power so it heals you and you don't have no rights when you came out or any how how would you even discover that that was that was a cure like was it was a pure accident that you just happened to see a whale like on the beach and thought i know i'll just crawl in there and oh my knees suddenly feel better (laughs) i'll spread the word in all fairness, I'm mocking it. Maybe that would help. Maybe that's what we need, Jazz. The two of us can... Leslie can have her mouse whining pets. And the two of us can just tell in a whale carcass for <laughs> like half a day. Oh, God. See how we feel when we get World and find an orca or something. So so how are you going to find a whale? Is there loads of whales down where you live, Mark? No, I feel like not really. It's a weird thing to say because that implies like only 40 or 50. Um, no, very rarely. Very rarely is there a whale. Yeah. We don't live in whale. We get um, dolphins fairly often. I don't often. think you'd fit in a dolphin, though. Maybe go for your own. Have you know I could fit comfortably in a dolphin? Thank you very much. <laughs> Do you think it helps anyone's checked that? Because dolphins are probably easier to get a hold of than whales. Maybe <laughs> I can just cut a dolphin open and like drape it over myself for the week. See how that sorts me out. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, okay. well, I've got like a weird fact that kind of relates to whales and dolphins. One on me saying, oh, maybe all these old things work. Like clearly some of them don't because <laughs> one of the things I was reading is that human dissection was obviously illegal in the time we're talking about. So lots of doctors basically just had to make random guesses at how to cure things, which is why obviously there's so many insane suggestions. Mm. Um, and many people were 
diagnosed with an issue called rate menu bile, which could actually cause headaches, Leslie. So they might have diagnosed oh, with that. Right. But that, that can't be what you have is because it turns out that the thing that was affected only actually exists in the heads of whales, dolphins and sheep. So they dissected sheep, obviously, <laughs> to get hold of. And then um, they'd, when whales and dolphins had washed up on land, if they weren't using them to treat arthritis, they dissected them as well. And they all had this part of their brain, or this part of their, like, basically outside their brain in their skull that could be affected and would cause severe headaches. And in the case of whales and dolphins, would cause them to go off course. So they thought if people were having severe headaches, then it must be this rate menobly. Um, and they diagnosed, like, literally thousands of people with it and gave them treatments for it. But then when they did the first human dissections, they realised that no human had that in their head. <laughs> what was causing headaches? That's hilarious. Did you think that it was the reason why people got lost and they got off track? I, I don't understand how they can't distinguish between, a, a like, a, a sea mammal and a land mammal. It's mental. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, a whale has that. You must have it. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some people still believe that, you know, we are not related to apes. Like, but that's our closest relative. Ideally, if you got like a chimp or an ape, but then there weren't probably weren't many of them around in medieval times true. that you could dissect. That's true. But it would be more accurate. Yeah. Well, I was looking into mad cures for the Black Death Ooh. since we're in a pandemic and back in it, the disease was widely spread in Europe between 1346 and 1353 for those who like stats it killed an estimated 75 to 200 million people around that time it was about 30 to 60 percent of Europe's total population so it's quite a lot of people did kind of like today it um, originated in Asia <laughs> Central Asia because it was spread by traders who used the Silk Road and it was called Yersinia pestis bacterium, which I think was like lice that cat was yeah. like in yeah. cats and rats and stuff. So it wasn't the rats themselves, it was the fleas that were on them. It was the fleas, yeah. So they were getting like traded about when people were travelling about the Silk Road and that's where it originated in China, Asia, and then they brought it back to wherever they were trading at home right. mostly Europe right about so they developed high fever severe vomiting bleeding from the lungs and the they were covered in boils because it affected their lymph modes nodes so that is where all the boils so technically under your armpit or in your groin area that's where you would get like the most boils oh, nasty. Um, I mean this doesn't sound vile but one of the ways that they thought they could treat the cure the disease was by using treacle like syrup <laughs> so it's not as bad as mice, mice dead mice right? yeah. wine, but it is kind of bad because they, it wasn't just like fresh syrup they, they used it was um like they had to ferment it for a long time yeah maybe a little bit like the mice, mice wine because it had to have molds so it had to mature for a time and then it had like disease, apparently disease, disease fighting mold yeasts and other cultures that developed in it. But they had to drink it. Ugh, imagine. Penicillin is, penicillin is mold. Yeah. I mean, the ancient Egyptians kind of fed people moldy bread to cure them of illnesses, yeah, probably, but... you know, because of the antibacterial properties of it. But I don't think that the treacle thing would have worked 
regardless because it wasn't it wasn't really um I don't no. think that not attracts more fleas as well. Yeah, it did do. <laughs> I did like in like pretty much everything I was looking at that so many of the things as you say when they used it it was like but why did they keep using it because there was no evidence that it was helping anybody. Yeah. <laughs> it seems odd to be like eat treacle mold and that'll save you and then go back to the doctor and be like by the way no one you've given treacle mold to is like getting better like yep treacle mold is the best thing well i mean it is the best out of a bad bunch of cures because it's the only one that i can see on this list that would potentially like you know like me and yasmin were saying the the mold and stuff might have an antibacterial quality to it so it's probably the best chance you've got of like at least alleviating some of it but i don't think it would cure you completely the maddest one which mm. see, it seems to be a lot of cruelty to animals. Yep. <laughs> These methods, they're fucked up. Really cruel to animals. So one of the maddest ones I've come across of curing the Black Plague, uh, the Black Death, is rubbing a victim's body with a chicken. What? So you get a chicken, the poor little thing, you pluck its bottom of its feathers so it's got a bare arse, and then you put pl- you plant it over the the boil of the person who's got the plague and stick it there until it gets infected because the reasoning is that the disease will transfer from you to the chicken That's so stupid. until one of you is either like healthy then so you yeah. become healthy and the chicken would become diseased and then you would change the chicken over like a bandage <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't kill the chicken so you've got you end up with this is how really fucking stupid this is. You end up with like hordes of like plague ridden chickens running about spreading the de- disease to everyone else. I'm sorry, but of all of these, that's the stupidest one. Yeah, that's the even though... thing I've ever heard. Proper stupidest one. That actually yeah. gets the stupidest thing. It was called the Vicary Method. It was named after Thomas Vicary. He was an English doctor who invented it first. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. What an idea. But the thing is, he was so celebrated about this, and I don't get this at all, that he became famous. And then even today, there's a special lecture held every year in his honour at the Royal College of Surgeons in England. Please a tell man... me he else in his life other than just that, because that's no, just that, stupid. that's literally all he does. The doctor. The fuck? imagine back then you're like oh yeah that makes sense just strap a bunch of chickens to, to me, my my fanny yeah. and my armpits yeah that'll work i mean you'd think the chicken would urinate or defecate on them as well that would be pretty bad speaking of which yeah. um <laughs> speaking of which, applying human shit paste on the victim was also considered a cure wow. as well as that, taking a bath in urine like people using shit and piss to, to yep I mean, some people today still drink piss and swear by it, that it's yeah. a great cleanser and a cure-all for everything. The shit thing, though, like... That... <laughs> That's going to make you worse. Yeah, putting shit on a infected boil <laughs> is going to kill you. Yeah, it said um, the inflamed lymph mo- nodes in the armpits or groin of the plague victim were opened in order for the disease oh. to leave the body... And then a mixture of tree resins, flower roots and human shit was applied directly on the wounds. The treated places were then wrapped up. So I think that would just, um, you know, hasten your death rather than... Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
how stinking would that be, you know? Yeah. But I think everything's a bit stinky back then as well. Well, they probably wouldn't have noticed any different, would they? I don't know. I mean, everything was a bit stinky back then, but I don't know if everything was shit in an open wound stinky. (laughs) 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 Well, for the richer amongst you, yeah. Um, the richer people who don't wallow in shit, like the peasants, if you happen to get the plague, then you would consume a spoon, a spoon of crushed emerald. Ooh. Apparently, <laughs> the cure for kings. They used to ground down, well, grind down the precious stone into a, with a mortar and pestle, mix it with water, and then drink it like a potion. Or they would mix it with food, or just swallow the powder. I mean, imagine swallowing like emerald powder. That'd be like swallowing glass. Yeah. That sounds like it would kill, like, rip up your insides. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. That's really stupid. Again, yeah, like, the, most of the cures are like, why don't you do something that will kill you faster? That's, that's yeah. a great idea. That's where people were, like, drinking or eating mercury as well. It's oh, like, this yeah. is a crazy one. Because of, like, back in the day, they would blame, like, religions. Like, many people do now. They blame, like, what was it? There was a guy in America or someone in Britain, a bishop, that said that the reason why that little English towns got flooded was because of all the gays that lived oh, that, there. Uh, that was one of the um, like chief members of UKIP. But yeah. he, said, he said that as a Christian, he said as a Christian, he believed that the reason there was so much flooding in England is because we were allowing gay marriage. Yeah, that's right. So back, <laughs> back in medieval times, they blamed it on the Jews. I mean, the Jews always get the blame for everything, poor bastards. Um, yeah. <laughs> So they thought, right, well, I think it's the Jews that's causing this plague. So governors across cities of Europe rounded up the Jews and boarded them up in their homes and then set them alight. Oh, God. For fuck's sake. Unfortunately, that's quite a turn at the end there. Well, yeah, because they thought that they were behind. No, because a bunch of a group of Jews were captured and tortured into admitting that they were behind the disease and thousands were killed when they were rounded up and summarily executed to put a stop to the disease. The severity of the attacks prompted Pope Clement the Sixth to publish two papal letters condemning those who killed the Jews and requiring all clergy to protect them wherever possible. He also declared that all people who have died of the plague were forgiven for their sins so they could enter heaven. So he seems a bit like, you know, the, the Pope Francis of the medieval times. <laughs> He's trying to calm everyone down and save people from going mental. In the name of Jesus. I agree with the like anyone that dies of the plague is forgiven of their sins. What if you're like a rapist? Is it then like oh, die, so you're actually fine? But maybe he's doing that so that people aren't quick to blame other people for the plague. Do you know what I mean? I think that's maybe his diplomatic way of stopping mass killings of people who aren't like Catholic. Quite reasonable. Lost their children. At least they can say to the mum, "Oh, don't worry, they've went to heaven. Like, don't worry about." Yeah, exactly. Which is, it's his way of saying, well, people who died of the plague aren't evil and there's no satanic thing behind it, so they will still go to heaven, like yeah, yeah, like Yasmin just said there, which yeah. I think is quite nice. Okay, yeah. I'll let you off then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking up for the Pope, who would believe it? My dad would be raging. <laughs> oh, wow. So yeah, that's all the kind of different methods for curing the plague and well, how it works. Um... The different methods for helping people, I say helping, um, people with mental health conditions Okay. Um, during that time. As so, someone who suffers from mental health, I'm very interested. I mean, as someone who also has mental health issues, uh, I, would, I would already say in advance that you're probably not going to want to take them up on any of these because I don't think they're that great. So 
the basically at, at the start of this time, which links into what you were saying about the Pope there, it was a common belief that if you had a mental illness, it was because you were possessed by a demon. Are people with epilepsy were called demonic as well? Yeah, it's why there's all those sort of old, or it's where the sort of tales of demonic possession come from. Because yeah, if you were fit, then they assumed that you were you had a demon inside you. But also, if you were like going through an episode that was affecting your personality, they would assume you had a demon inside you. And then uh, this early psychiatrist Benjamin Rush, who, as you say, talking about other medical professionals that clearly were insanely wrong, is still like written about because he was one of the like fathers of psychology. So he came along and he said that he, people had to reject this idea that mental illness was caused by demonic possession. That's incorrect. He said it's actually all about your humours that we were talking about last oh, week. Oh, no, that's just his mental, though. So he came along and said this, set up clinics, but then continued to do exactly what the clinics were doing that said it was caused by demons. Mm-hmm. So in order to get a demon out of your body, they would use purging, blistering and bleeding. And then he came along and said, oh, no, it's your humours. But you should still use purging, blistering and bleeding because that's the way to balance the humour. Yeah, I think they used to spin people so much to the point where they were so dizzy that they would shit themselves and vomit everything like out their system. Yeah, and they thought that would like release the demon from your system. And then he came along and said, no, that's not right. But you should still do that because (laughs) like balance your humours out. It'll get rid of all like the bile inside of you that you don't need because you can just shit and puke it out. Um, so that continued to be the most popular um, thing to do for a while. And then there was this guy called Henry Cotton, who was in charge of the like some of the early psychiatric hospitals in the Americas. And um, right. so it was kind of fed back to here. So he taught that you got poor health because you had poor body parts. So that would also apply to mental health. So you would get poor mental health if you had poor body parts so if anyone had a psychiatric condition he would recommend the doctors that worked under them to look in their mouth and see if they could find a rotten tooth and if they could find one that was rotten remove it and then if the person still had a mental health condition you would have to go back and remove all their teeth fuck off then if they were still mentally ill you had to remove their why don't you just remove my entire head well then (laughs) If they were still showing symptoms of being mentally ill, you had to open them up and remove a section of their stomach, which obviously resulted in most of them dying. But if they didn't die of that and they were still showing symptoms of mental illness, then you had to remove their small intestines, then their appendix, then their gallbladder, and then if they were still alive after all of that and still showing symptoms of mental illness, then you had to open them up again and remove part of their colon. Their colon? Yeah. What to do with it? I had no idea. <laughs> it's like... list that you had to go. So then this guy came along who was later in his life one of the first people ever to win a Nobel Prize, who then said that obviously these ideas that had come before were bad. So his name was Julius Wagner Jorig. Jorig? J A U or Jorig would that be? J A U R double G. So he came along and he said that. He had this new idea, um, and it was a cure, but his cure killed at least 15% of his patients. So he said that he experimented on people who were schizophrenic and found out that if you had a mental illness, what you had to do was take the blood of people who had any kind of illness that would cause you to have a very high temperature and then inject their blood into the person with schizophrenia 
because that would then cause them to burn the schizophrenia out of their body. That's just crazy. ones like that where people that had not even just mental illnesses, other illnesses like syphilis or something, and they would give them malaria because the malaria would make you have a really high fever and it would burn whatever it is that's wrong with you out of your system. So that seems to be like... Uh, I've not heard of that before, yes. Yeah, I think to be fair, it continued on like long after. Yeah, but then people would die of malaria because you're giving... Yeah. Oh, yeah. But obviously it had high, such, such a high mortality rate because he was basically taking diseased blood and injecting it into other people. And he got a Nobel Prize for that. Yeah, he should be retracted shoved up his ass. And then after that, a, a neurologist called Manfred Shackle came along and he said that what you should actually do is use a cocktail of drugs to put people in comas. And then if they didn't die, you would bring them out of the coma. And he said this was the best way to treat mental health conditions. But it had to be a course of comas. So what you would do is you would put people in a coma of an evening, revive them the next day. And then if they survived, you would put them back into an induced coma again that night. And you would do this for between 50 and 60 days. And he said if they survived to the end of the 60th day, that would cure their mental health condition. If, if they survive. Yeah. But what is to die? The hell. So that's just yeah. That's all kinds of fucked up. Cause like how the how does he come to that conclusion that they're cured, or, or that was the right method? Yeah, I think like again, it's one of those things like what you were talking about earlier that did just make me think. Well, but there is no evidence that that was helping. There was no evidence that it was doing anything good, and I don't get where they got it from in the first place. It's just like they've picked something out of the air. It's like, it's like saying, you know, it's like the equivalent of saying to a woman, right, we think you're a witch, so we're going to throw you into this river and tie tie you up, throw you into this river, and if you drown and die, well, that's you, you're exonerated because you're not a witch, you must be innocent. And if you float, the devil saved you, so you're a fucking witch, so we're going to burn you to death. Either way, you don't win. Yeah, because it was like, who's making it to day 60 of medically induced comas? Like, nobody. So, yeah, suppose he's saying, well, if you can get to the end of the course, then you'll be cured of your mental illness. If not, you'll die, but everybody died, so. Is he saying it's some sort of, like, mental challenge? Like, it's up to you to fight out of the coma? And if you're in it, and is he saying that you're too weak, weak of mind? You're feeble, if you're too feeble-minded, then you wouldn't be able to fight the coma. So you were never going to be cured anyway? Wow. <laughs> basically all of these continued on until the mid 1800s it wasn't until then that they started to prescribe like actual medications or actual well yeah and other awful things but it wasn't until then that they brought in anything that actually could feasibly help people with mental health conditions yeah because they used to lobotomize people as well yeah by shoving a spike up their nose or something or cutting a bit of their brain off yeah that's what i was about to bring up is that oh thought- okay no no thanks for bringing it up I was saying yeah and again there's no there's no evidence to show it works but yeah they'd shove like on like stick basically up your nose until it reaches your brain and then pull bits out and obviously when you come out of that you've damaged your brain so they're giving you brain damage to cure whatever mental illness you have and it's just I think it was actually termed one of the most shameful and tragic things in medical history because it's just, it's so horrifically awful. Like, especially when doctors are like, they're meant to take that oath of like doing no harm. Mm. That's thing. Like there's no benefit whatsoever. But maybe it's not, and I might be getting the exact thing that they were selling muddled up, but was it not like a travelling, want to say, 
vacuum salesman that randomly one day came up with lobotomies and then went around and kind of pitched no, the idea to mental institutions based all... on nothing. No, all the pictures I saw was it was in like like medical instit in like psychiatric institutions that they would either give you like um electric shock therapy or lobotomy and it's like it's not even just that they put the, the stick up your nose once it hits your brain they then strike it with a hammer and just even that is like imagine you're doing that to another person like it's yeah. horrific yeah and they did it to like cure people of homosexuality and because that was seen as a mental illness imagine that yeah to try and somehow so, change your personality by uh, doing that i mean Do- as you say, yeah, as like a supposedly uh, ripped part of your brain out, that would make you less likely to be wanting to go out in the pool because you'd be severely mentally brain <laughs> damaged. Like, oh, it was really horrible though as well. Like one of the articles I was reading had people's comments beneath it, and a lot of people were like, "Oh, my grandmother got a lobotomy, or my aunt got a lobotomy," mm-hmm. and they all were basically zombies. And it's just like I know we're reading all these silly things, but it's like well, these people actually got it. Yeah. A lot of their lives were totally destroyed. Do you find weird as well? There was like a common thing where back in the day, like even my grand's time, that and and it happens today in some cases in um, among the Amish in America and Pennsylvania or wherever they live, is that they when you reach twenty one, you would have all your teeth taken out and given false teeth because it was seen as a sort of safer option. That's so weird. That doesn't make sense. But in the Amish society, they do it to young girls so that they don't have any vanity about them. Oh but they, they don't have proper dentists. So there was this one poor girl that i seen a video of and they'd taken all her teeth out, but they've done it in such a bad way that it actually damaged her gums and severely, yeah, damaged her, her jaw. And um, it looked horrendous. And she managed to get away on, you know, when they go on that run, what is it? When they go away for a year or something to decide whether they want to, is it not just the a... do that though? Uh, Rumspringer. Rumspringer, yeah. So she did that, but then she just she went to New York. This woman, she seen a, a dentist, and the woman felt so sorry for her that she made her like she fixed it all for her and made her like new teeth because it, she didn't have anything like to chew on her and like it was so damaged. And because she was so young as well when they took all the teeth out, that it, it really it, it, her gums didn't heal over properly. Um, and I just find that absolutely fucking horrific to do that to someone just because she was a bit pretty, you know, and you don't want her becoming slutty or something. That's horrible. Oh, God, that is horrible things they Imagine do. having that as a 21st birthday party. Right, you're going to the dentist and they're taking all your teeth out and we're giving you falsers instead. No, if you're going to the dentist, like, you're going to Jim's shed and he's going to rip all your teeth out. Like, yeah, that's even worse. <laughs> Jim's shed. Like, you're saying, um, JFK's daughter got a lobotomy as well because she had mood swings and it was to decrease her sex drive. So it's again, let's just make sure that girls are not allowed to do anything. Girls have to stay in line. Yeah, wasn't there a thing in The Crown? I don't know if you watched that, that uh, Prince Philip's mother, who is like the Princess of Greece or something, and she had mental illness, she had schizophrenia, and what they did to her was x ray her womb so that she wouldn't have any you know sexual urges and it would cure her of her schizophrenia Horrible. so they became so they actually ruined her fertility and stuff like oh no no they wanted to induce the early menopause that's what they did to her God. so they 
put radiation basically yeah. into her womb to, to trigger um, menopause early. That, that's horrific. Yeah, so, so cruel. It's all things not very smart thought by men to destroy anything in women. But... <laughs> Let's have a go at Mark now. <laughs> <laughs> no offence to Mark. For... Well, well, you were going to talk about the, the wandering womb, which I find hilarious. Oh, I left that for you because I thought you... <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh yeah, I thought you were going to talk about it as well, yes. Oh, does it? Wait, I'll bring it back up. I had it up last week, actually. Let me get it. Actually, you guys do want that, I'll look for it again. Right, well, I'll talk about then, like, my final topic, which is the gruesome history of eating eating corpses as medicine. Lovely. <laughs> so, started off with, like, a lot of uh, Egyptian mummies were getting, like, stolen and ground up and put into a powder. This is a thing. Um, but a lot of the times they weren't even proper like mummies from Egypt. They would just be like dead people that they would just find and dress up as a mummy and pretend that you know they weren't even like that ancient. Um, that went on right up until the 19th century. Weirdly enough, uh, to the point where I think even now, like the Egyptian antiquities department or whatever, it's a crime to try and like sell mummificate like hand parts you know even ones that were for sale like back in the 19th century it's a crime to do that so it was mostly in the the 16th and 17th centuries many europeans including royalty priests and scientists routinely ingested remedies containing human bones blood and fat as medicine for everything from headaches like i've got to epilepsy there were few vocal opponents of the practice, even though cannibalism in the newly explored Americas was reviled as a mark of savagery. So they were absolute hypocrites because while they were grinding up skulls and drinking people's blood and putting human fat on themselves, um, which is all cannibalistic, they were condemning the Native Americans for being cannibals, apparently, which probably wasn't even true. Yeah, even though they weren't actually cannibalistic, whereas the white yeah. people yeah. calling them savages. Was- I think we're actually cannibals. Yeah, and their excuse was that, oh well, they actually kill people and then eat them. But it's like, where, where's where they're trying to justify is that we're just buying it from like an apothecary. It's not actual. We're not killing them first. Well, someone has to die in order to get yeah. the medicine. You idiots. So, so they they would crumble Egyptian mummies into tinctures to staunch internal bleeding. Other parts of the body soon followed. So skull was one common ingredient taken in powdered form to cure head ailments. So because it came from heads, like I said earlier, they thought it could cure whatever ailed the head. So I would have to go out to like the local cemetery, dig up a corpse, find a skull. Even the moss that grew on the skull heads was considered medicinal. So you put that in your drink or your food. So I would have to find yeah, someone's skull the and then... What? Where, like the moss likes to be where the pain is, like... I find it funny that they they described it as a toupee of moss. (laughs) (laughs) Thomas Willis, who was a 17th century pioneer of brain science, he brewed a drink for apoplexy or bleeding, then mingled powdered human skull and chocolate. Hmm, that's a new um, one for Cadbury's. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they do have every year where, like, you get to uh, design your own, like, flavoured chocolate. and Yeah. Yeah. We should enter that next year. And put human skull in it, and it's like, yeah, we're bringing back the 17th century medicine, mate. <laughs> King Charles II, who is one of my favourite kings ever, he apparently sipped something called the King's Drops, 
which was his personal tincture and it contained human skull and alcohol. Yeah, so the moss that grew over the buried skull called an asnea became a prized additive. It's powder believed to cure nosebleeds and especially epilepsy. Human fat was used to treat the outside of the body. German doctors, for instance, prescribed bandages soaked in it for wounds. And rubbing fat into the skin was considered a remedy for gout. And this is where it gets a bit vampiric as well. I didn't know about this. This is weird. I thought people just dipped their handkerchiefs in the blood of um, executed people as souvenirs. But no, because it was blood was procured as fresh as possible. It was still thought to contain the vitality of the body. So it made it difficult to acquire. The 16th century German Swiss physician Paracelsus believed blood was good for drinking. I mean, I suppose it is. Yeah. <laughs> but you get the Maasai people. I mean, they don't drink human blood, but they drink fresh cow's blood. Mm. And one of his followers even suggested taking blood from a living body. While that doesn't seem to have been common practice, the poor, who couldn't always afford the processed compounds sold in apothecaries, could gain the benefits of cannibal medicine by standing at executions, paying a small amount for a cup of the still warm blood of the condemned. The executioner was considered a big healer and he was a social leper with almost magical powers. For those who preferred their blood cooked, a 1679 recipe from a Franciscan apothecary describes how to make it into marmalade. I thought he was going to say like black pudding because that's like pig's blood, but a marmalade? (laughs) Like preserve it for longer, I guess? Yeah, maybe. Make it taste sweet. Because it has a metallic-y, coppery taste, doesn't it, blood? Not that I would know about that. (laughs) Rub fat on... So they would rub fat on an ache, and it would ease your pain. They pushed powdered moss up your nose, and your nosebleed would stop. If you could afford the king's drops, a float of alcohol probably helps you forget you're depressed, at least temporarily, because it's alcohol. (laughs) Medicines may have been incidentally helpful, as in the alcohol or whatever, even though they worked by magical thinking. So it was basically because they didn't not understand the circulation of the blood. So they thought that it is kind of emerged from homeopathic ideas. So cure likes for likes, cures like. And they also thought that body parts contained the spirit of the person. So it linked the body and the soul so blood, that's why blood was especially powerful because they thought that blood carried the soul about and mm. did so in the form of vaporous spirits. So the freshest blood was considered the most robust. The blood of young men was preferred, or sometimes that of virginal young women. By ingesting corpse materials, one gains the strength of the person consumed. No, I mean, surely if they've died, then I get if you're being executed. That's <laughs> but if we're talking about people that have like passed away of natural things, like... Surely that means their blood's not going to be good then? Like, why yeah, but they didn't understand that blood stopped circulating and things like that. They didn't understand about the heart pumping it round the body. So they just thought that that's... It was, this sounds crazy, but they probably thought the blood moved around the body by the soul or the spirit of the person. If they knew it moved around at all. Yeah. So they probably thought that... Well, they must have knew it, it moved somehow because it squirts out if you cut... Uh, anyway, it flows out. I don't know. It's crazy. I can't put my head in the mind of these people. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'm getting you to explain as though. I <laughs> love it. Well, they said in a dead thing, well, this is apparently Leonardo da Vinci said this, we preserve our life with the death of others. In a dead thing, 
and insensate life remains which, when it is reunited with the stomachs of the living, regains sensitive and intellectual life. I find it really hard not to laugh there because I've got Leonardo da Vinci and Leonardo DiCaprio by the top. <laughs> what are you talking about so far? <laughs> apparently this practice goes back as far as Roman times because they drank the blood of slain gladiators to absorb the vitality of the young men, the strong men. And the 15th century philosopher Marcelio Ficino suggested drinking blood from the arm of a young person for similar reasons so they would get big guns. Many healers in other cultures, including in ancient Mesopotamia and India, believed in usefulness of human body parts. I mean, it went on for a long time. <laughs> and obviously the Protestants didn't like the Catholics because of the transubstantiation thing that, you know, if you eat the bread, it will turn into literally the flesh of Christ. They're totally obsessed. They're actually crazy how how many people were cannibals back then. Yeah, It was like a normal thing, like a common occurrence wasn't taboo at all unless you were a savage Native American. <laughs> oh god. Um, I mean I still suppose a modern equivalent of that would be like blood transfusions and things or skin graft or putting Or a heart transplant. Yeah, or you know like where they take a bit of your arse and then put it on your head and then blow it up. So that you've got a bit of extra skin that they can use. Yeah, it's far really like the weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know when they put back your arse on your head and blow it up, and then everyone calls you big balloony arse face. You know that medical procedure. <laughs> My dad has skin from the back of his thigh, like near his eye on his face. Oh. Yeah, because like he had like an accident a long time ago, but yeah, the skin on his face from your from the back of his Sorry. Is it cannibalism if it's from yourself? Because if it's from someone else that they're grafting onto you, like yeah. a face transplant or someone's yeah. arms onto your head. Cannibalism because you're not eating it. You're just yeah. bits of them. But then someone else's heart inside your body is a sort of weird thing because they died to give you that organ. So that's like the modern equivalent, but it's not as bizarre as back then where people were like trying to drink blood of a condemned man. Exactly. It's, I think there's more science around what we're doing today rather than and it clearly works, that's the thing, there's actual evidence to show that it works um, whereas the stuff they were doing is just nonsense it's Yeah, it goes back to the whole like, and if you don't die which everyone has so far, then you will be cured, like, um, what? <laughs> if you're lucky enough to not die <laughs> Aren't we so like I'm so grateful I live in these times and I didn't live back then where, you know they had no fucking clue. And drill holes in your head. Yeah, and there was no anaesthetic either, so if they were going to operate on you, um, you had to just put up with the pain. See the whole drilling holes in your head? Like, you know, like, even way back with the ancient Egyptians when they find some mummies and stuff, and they've got several holes, like, tiny, just tiny little holes yeah. in their skull. That must have mean it, it did work for well, them. Well, some people, even today, um, trepan, yeah. because they, they say that it... it gives them a, a really sense of release and it gives them a, a bit massive feeling of euphoria. Oh, wow. Because it takes all the pressure out of your head. And they still do things like that today. If, say, like, your brain is swelling in your head, pushing against your skull, then they would have to remove part of the skull to release the pressure. Oh, wow. I suppose, like, going back to the me going for acupuncture thing, like, 
it, that is exactly what it does. I get it's a tiny hole, but like I want it round a specific bit because when my jaw tightens, it builds up pressure. Not actually on my jaw, but like right at the back of my head, it builds up pressure in this one spot. And that I get them to kind of focus on that when they do acupuncture. And that is like they obviously push hot needles into that spot and then pull them out later. And yeah, I just I, I literally feel the pressure released. So Oh really? I think that's what acupuncture is. It's all about pressure points. Yeah. Cause you can get it on your sinuses as well, like on your face. It just releases. Apparently everything just comes out when you do My that. sister got it done for fertility as well. She tried that when she was trying to, you know, have her baby and she was going through IVF. Well, before she went through IVF, she tried getting acupuncture done. But I don't know whether that contributed to her conceiving, but Yeah. Something, I suppose. Yeah. Oh wow, that's amazing. Quite so if you if you found about if you found the information about yeah. the wandering yeah. womb, yes, because I really want to hear it. Right, we it's should end okay. on that. Yeah, it's just really offensive to women, as usual. It's basically the whole wandering womb thing is see when women are basically hormonal or anything to do with women being hysterical and all this kind of stuff. Or it's just angry. Or angry. Yeah, you have it up to... for themselves. Yeah. It's like that. You're, you're, obviously you're not angry. You don't have emotions. You're just in your mad hysteria. Um, but it's basically all the stuff like that is blamed by because your womb doesn't sit in one place. It actually like flows about freely inside you. So depending on where it's went, that affects how you are. So like if it flows too high up towards your stomach that might cause hysteria if it goes this way it might cause something else so basically any sort of female emotion or if you have any opinions uh, contradict your man or anything intellectual to say it's because your womb's in your arse yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it can go up and it can go down so depending on where it goes it has different like symptoms and then we feel like oh I'm out of sorts it's just my woman moved yesterday it's just it's horrible um but yeah this was basically from like the ancient Greeks um and it was like the philosopher Plato that came up with this yeah so yeah any sort of not even just your emotions any mental illness was blamed on your womb moving around so basically the cures that they had was that so say if your womb is traveling up too far they need to like bring it back down again and apparently your womb is attracted to nice smells so they would basically put perfumes and stuff on your vagina to attract your womb (laughs) (laughs) you need to lure it back (laughs) i like the idea that your womb's like a fancy piglet That's the thing. They're saying it's an animal within an animal. That, that's what they actually called that organ. It moved its itself hither and thither in the flanks. I just remembered an, something crazy as well related to that. Um, they used to believe that sperm, right, spermosa or whatever you call it, contained fully formed human beings, like just in really tiny form. And that's how, that's, that's how it, the womb, when it was in the womb, it just grew probably wondered right i don't know <laughs> so women's just an incubator she's not a natural she doesn't yeah you know have an wow yeah she didn't have an Actually, egg that got fertilized it was just like a little a little cute tiny tiny fully formed human inside the sperm avoid a girl though like if they want sons and it's a girl it's her fault yeah. um but yeah the, the other actual cure for the wandering womb is to be pregnant because then it's so busy with the pregnancy that it can't wander around so women should just be kept pregnant 
it's just foxy like this I remember reading this last week being like proper pissed off at it and then just being like no yeah wasn't it like if if you don't get married really young then your womb will get like restless and start wandering away wandering about until you get pregnant basically it's just a way for like men to assert the power over women that whatever to deal with your womb and that's why you're having these symptoms that's crazy and there was even like stuff about like when you're on your period your womb is suffocated and that's why you're being all crazy as well I was like wow okay I just (laughs) sorry that's good completely insane do you want a wee biscuit for your womb some nice perfume here's a strawberry like that a strawberry that way they they had like they did have like um balls of perfume back in the medieval times to sort of stave off the plague um to the point where they would they they thought that it um that clean air was bad so they this is mental they went down into the sewers and lived there because they thought the bad air would that it wouldn't want to go down into the bad air wow that's probably making it worse as well well yeah they would pick up all kinds of weird diseases down in the fucking sewer (laughs) wow can I actually like end this on a really 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 stupid one because this one yeah. so much so obviously everyone knows Kellogg's cornflakes oh uh, yeah yeah apparently J.H. Kellogg the main man behind Kellogg's cornflakes um he's actually a medical doctor and a health activist which I didn't actually know that and one of his kind of philosophies of life is that you should always have a healthy diet healthy breakfast but <laughs> his idea was basically that um, to prevent your sexual urges and prevent masturbation, you should have a healthy diet. So cornflakes was invented to stop people being promiscuous and lower their sexual appetite by giving you a healthy appetite instead. <laughs> I mean, he also was obsessed with enemas as well. He thought that everyone should have like constant douches up their <laughs> enemas. Have like eat cornflakes while getting an enema at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, corn I mean, that would put anyone yeah. off masturbation. I was like, going to say, I feel like enema and being force fed cornflakes, and somebody was like, oh I could be like, oh god, no. Really <laughs> put me off cornflakes. <laughs> I mean, I never eat cornflakes, so I'm constantly wanking. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> also makes you go blind, apparently. That's why my sight's not so good these days. Oh cornflakes. Need to be. <laughs> Need to be getting your cornflakes already. Well, a bit frosties. They're like sugar-coated um, <laughs> cornflakes. cornflakes. Oh god, maybe frosties is worse. Yeah, because it gets you all hyper and really horny. Not very. craving for frosties now. Mm, I, I mean, am I a weirdo? Because I like to eat cereal dry. That's not like to, I, I don't like to have sex dry. But I do like cereal dry, so <laughs> I like cereal at night time. I don't like having it in the morning. <laughs> what is the difference? I don't know why. Why is it so better at night than in the morning? I suppose it doesn't really know. fucking matter, it's does it? It's totally cereal here, but it's just not satisfying in the morning. It's not satisfying. Night. Maybe it's your whim that demands that you. Yeah, exactly. We <laughs> can go back to his home. <laughs> oh my god, I don't know. Like Frosties, I would just eat. Oh, no, I hate Cocoa Pops. That's why I, I, the thought of mixing Cocoa Pops with milk or any cereal with milk disgusts me because the Cocoa Pops would turn the milk brown. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like like over cereal milk. Like cereal I milk. Don't, just 
know, people drink yeah, heavily. I think that's why I don't like Kellogg's cornflakes either because my parents used to give me it and they put milk on it with a bit of sugar on top who may as well just gave me Frosties yeah. and the, it would turn the milk sort of sweet and also the yeah. the, the, the um, flakes would go all soggy and it was just disgusting. The like, feel like of it. I, I don't like soggy cereal it just has to yeah you have to eat it quickly with like a little bit i like milk in my cereal but i don't like soggy cereal like if i I don't put milk in my cereal until i'm planning to like immediately eat it yeah (laughs) this is hilarious see the last time we ended our podcast talking about bloody scran and stuff now we're ending it on talking about cereals i'm hungry i have my dinner yeah, I'm gonna go and get my dinner as well. I think I'll just have. I've got mashed potato called Canon mashed potato, which is like potatoes mixed with butter and leek, I think, or cabbage. It's very Irish, actually. Is it? Mm-hmm. It's one of my favourites. Um, it needs to be eaten today, so I'm not really that that hungry. But I do have black pudding, which has pig blood in it. So that's gonna save your. That's gonna cure your headache. Yeah, so I think I'll have black pudding and mashed potato for my dinner. And it'll give you the vitality of a pig. So. Yeah, <laughs> picky powers. I mean, people get pig hearts and mm-hmm. pig valves put inside them, don't they? Yeah. Is that bestiality? <laughs> no, no, I don't think it is bestiality. Bestiality. No. <laughs> so if you, you think, if, if you if you think getting um, the internal organs of a pig is bestiality, let us know about it on our Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> So on the, um, all right. What's the, what's our topic next week? Because we need to tell them what it is. Whose turn is it? Uh, food. Mark, food. Yeah, like I was talking about food. food. Yeah, like that's why I didn't think of because I'm like hungry. But like weird food, like weird, weird foods, like not okay. haggis, like actual weird stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, cannibalism. <laughs> Weird things people eat. They don't necessarily have to be food either. Okay, what like an ass? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Well, we'll talk thought... about. Well, let's talk about gastromony. Gas. Ah, fuck. I've totally ruined that now. Gastromony. Is that a word? Gastronomy. Gastronomy. Well, food and drink. We'll talk yeah. about food and drink because since we're always talking about it at the end of our podcast. I think that's a joint agreement between the three of us that we all want to talk about that. Yes. Okay. Sweet. (laughs) Okay, well, thanks very much for listening again. And um, hopefully you tune in next week when we're talking about Scran. And I just want to say that I'm going to take some pills um, for my head. I'm not going to trepan (laughs) myself or drink mice wine or cover myself in urine. Mm, not, I'm not any water sports so um, I'm going to have a glass of mice wine <laughs> are you going to rub a chicken on your face I'm going to steal a tape of chicken to my armpit have a glass of mouse wine and uh, I'm going to hammer a wee hole in my head and yeah, Yasmin's going to eat some cereal I'm just going to so, wait take it easy bye uh, Chris, so, man.